This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, so let's get into this, John. Uh, we've got week 14 Texans and the Cowboys Texans coming off a loss to the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson. I guess before we get into our pregame six pack on the Cowboys, I feel like with Deshaun, there were still some crumbs left over on Monday. Cause obviously we, we recap the game and listen to what Deshaun had to say by Tuesday. There were still maybe a few crumbs still sitting there. I can say honestly now we're we're recording this on Wednesday to drop on Thursday. I kind of feel like the page has been turned now on Deshaun. Like there is a lot less care it, with me about what happens with Deshaun moving forward. I'll root against him, but that's whatever. I'm more focused on the Texans now than I am the Browns. The only the only thing that I'm hyper focused on when it comes to Deshaun and the Browns is the draft capital that the Texans have in the next two drafts. How, how do you feel about where we're at now? Is is, is the the turning the page aspect of this, which we all thought might happen, is that a – I almost feel like this is a, an early for real or fugazi that I'm giving you, John. For real or fugazi, the page has officially been turned on Deshaun Watson. That's for real, Sean. I know I don't have any columns planned on him except maybe when the season ends and about the draft pick, where it ends up being, and then maybe close to the draft. I will keep up with what he and the Browns do, mainly because some really good friends of mine have covered the Browns from 30 to 40 years. And I think it's going to be next season before they get the real Deshaun Watson, who we knew in Houston. And once that game was over and he played bad, but they won because Pep Hamilton's offense looks like a bad skit from Saturday Night Live, which is the lead on my column uh, that I sent in this morning on uh, for gallerysports.com. It, it's it's not nothing's going to change here during the season, but the Browns look like boy they were better at least that right now with Jacoby Brissett. And of course, Texans fans will all pull against the Browns. And since that game ended, the person gets most attention is Anna McNair for turning her back on him when he came over in pregame warmups to shake their hand and. Cal McNair did it, but not, you know, they didn't chat. And Anna just turned her back to him. And that's gotten her a lot of praise, not just around the city locally, but nationally. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. I thought it was great. Uh, all right, John, let's get into this matchup then. The Texans and the Cowboys, 17-point spread, which I, I don't know what the spread was on this game before the season. I know it wasn't 17 points. Hell, it was only... 15 points, only 15, only 15 points to start the week. And it's only gone up. Actually, I shouldn't say that it's down to 16 and a half since the announcement that Davis Mills is going to be the starting quarterback. So 
Uh, Mills being the starter has inspired at least a little bit of confidence that the Texans can stay within 17. Let's do this pregame six-pack style, John. Three for you, three for me, things that we'll be looking for in this game against the Cowboys on Sunday. And, of course, the honor is always yours, Hall of Famer. I wonder what the spread would be if they announced somebody besides Pep Hamilton was going to call the plays and devise the game plan and determine who was going to play on offense. If that would affect it much, I think it would affect the fan base. People get really fired up since this offense offense has scored four touchdowns in three games and allowed four touchdowns in three games. And with a ferocious pass rush coming up, with the Cowboys, led by Micah Parsons, Davis Mills. I'm surprised he didn't say, hey, can we wait a week? At least the Chiefs are (laughs) home, and they don't have that pass rush. So I'd start with Davis Mills back in the lineup. Um, It's not that Kyle Allen's performance made people long for Mills. They just long for change. Yeah. And since Jeff Driscoll's not available on the practice squad, I guess they could sign him to the regular roster and start him. That may be what's coming. But with Mills back in the lineup, you wonder, okay, last year he took a seat bench, came back and played well, but that was with Tim Kelly, who's looking like a genius compared to Pep Hamilton. So I'm going to guess Mills is back. It's not going to make it difference they're still going to get killed key is over under on cowboys touchdown by their by their uh by the defense i would say one and i might take the over but uh i would start off with mills and uh and i I just don't think with pep hamilton running the show they're capable of doing anything i don't either john you bring up an interesting thing though there with respect to the quarterback position that i was thinking um when it was the report came out this morning that, that Mills is going to start. And Lovey has since confirmed that at the press conference a little later this morning that Davis Mills is going to start. Um, if Mills were to get hurt, well, let me back up. Do you think that Kyle Allen is inactive this weekend and they would bring Jeff Driscoll up off the practice squad to be the backup? Kyle Allen was that bad in these two games. I don't think so because Driscoll, all he did in a couple of appearances early was run the ball. And if they're going to run the ball all the time, they should have Damian Pearson and the Wildcat taking snaps, go right, go left, put two two strong sides. But uh, I'd be surprised if Allen were not the backup. Some people wondered that about Mills. And that's because of what happened in New York with the Jets, with Zach Wilson being inactive. But I don't think you can have Driscoll go in there without – preparation so i think it'll be mills and allen okay well that's that, that's an interesting wrinkle i'm gonna my first one in the pregame six pack john i'm gonna kind of touch on something you just said right there but um the battle between micah parsons and laramie tunsil is going to be fun to watch similar to you know last week there wasn't a whole lot of fun stuff to watch in that cleveland game but i thought the tackles for the texans laramie tunsil and titus howard did a pretty good job against miles garrett and uh and uh Jadevian Clowney. Um, Michael Parsons is the best defensive player in football. So this is exciting to get a chance to watch him uh, for 60 minutes in this game. Uh, I don't know how exciting it will be for Davis Mills, but I'm anxious to see if Laramie Tunsil, who's had a really good year, if Laramie Tunsil were on a better team, he would be getting a lot of consideration, and he may still for all pro. I mean, he's been that good. He's been one of the three or four best left tackles in football this year. So I'm anxious to watch Micah Parsons coming off the edge against Laramie Tunsil and see how the Texans can do against him and see if he can keep Davis Mills somewhat somewhat clean. We know the interior of the offensive line for the Texans has been an issue all year, but uh, the the uh, 
There's not a lot of stuff to look forward to matchup-wise with the Texans. Tunsil against edge rusher XYZ, and in this case, Micah Parsons, actually is something to look forward to. And I would disagree because Nick Bosa beats him in every statistic that you want from a defensive man. I just saw a list comparing him, plus Bosa plays for the best defense in the NFL for a coach to make Ryan's, who I hope will be the Texans next head coach. And too bad he won't be able to bring Nick Bosa with him. My next one would be the Texans defensive line. Um, I thought the last three games, Texans defense giving up four touchdowns, none against the Browns, two against Miami on drives of 59 and three yards. The defense has played better. It's hard to say he's played better against the run because they just gave up 174 yards. When it comes to the low standards that this defense sets, yes, it has done pretty well considering at one point it was giving up 200 and something yards rushing again. But they've gotten pretty good pressure. They only had uh, one sack, but they got pretty good pressure on Watson, forced him out, forced him to get rid of the ball early. Through a lot, a lot of the bad passes. Some everybody thinks it was his inactivity, and I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. But he got forced out of his comfort zone, and uh, I don't think they can do that with Dak Prescott. I think they're going to get killed, but I think they deserve a little credit. And I think Malik Collins is playing best, but that's not saying a lot because they don't have a lot of talent. Jonathan Grenard is back in practice. He missed five games last year. He's missed so many this year, and he should be their best pass rusher, and maybe he will once he's back on the active roster. But I'd say the defensive line's got his work cut out with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. No doubt about that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, John, my next one is uh, Jalen Petrie, uh, who had the interception against Deshaun Watson last week. And, you know, you watch the replays of those interceptions and it was, uh, it was, it was a really, I mean, it was a really well done play by Jalen Petrie kind of baiting Deshaun into that throw and then able to stifle a drive that the Browns had in the Texans red zone right there. Um, they, as you pointed out in the podcast earlier this week, they've made the move to free safety with Jalen Petrie. I, you know, I don't know if there's a new staff in here next year. I don't know if that's what they envision him being, but his numbers have gotten better since they moved him to free safety. His tackling has gotten better. His pro football focus grades have gone up significantly in that three-week time frame since they moved him to free safety. So in this season where, as I've pointed out many times, I'm looking at success in this season based on the number of young players that make progress and I want to be around for a while. Jalen Petrie, over the last month or so, has kind of rekindled some of that enthusiasm for me um, that I've had about that I had about uh, him, quite frankly, the day that they drafted him. I was really excited about the choice of Petrie, and I'm I'm very excited for eventually just a whole new staff to be in here to watch these guys make progress under a real coaching staff. 
the thing about P3, it doesn't matter which safety position you play. If you're missing a tackle in the open field like he did, whether you're playing strong safety or free safety, I think he's just gotten better, more experienced, maybe a little smarter about the angles, about where he hits somebody, about wrapping up, making sure he gets a tackle before he tries to trip the ball. Mm-hmm. And so he had his best. He didn't play well at free safety at Baylor. And when they moved him around the line of scrimmage, they had him covering slot receivers and had him blitzing a lot. That's where he was great. And the bottom line on him, other than the missed tackles, he's played pretty well. He dropped an interception, I think, against Miami, maybe Washington. No, it was Washington. It was Washington. Washington. Yep. And, he's, and he's had a couple plays where he's gotten beat. But all rookies get beat. Even Sauce Gardner gets beat, although all these things we keep getting from national media, you'd think Sauce Gardner is the greatest rookie defensive back in history. And I'd love to see the Texans get back Derek Stingley Jr., but he will not be because, as as Lovey Smith talked about, a bad hamstring injury can take a long time. Yep, yep. That was news from Lovey Smith's press conference this morning. It's a shame um, with Stingley that the hamstring is is keeping him out. All right, uh, John, what is your last one for the pregame six-pack? I would say Damian Pierce because he's such a part of the offense. You know, he rushed for 55 yards and nine carries in the first quarter against the Browns. I'm thinking, wow, the run blocking is better. They're not getting crushed inside because the Browns' defensive tackles are not very good, and the Browns have screwed up their strategy not putting Garrett and Clowney over the interior blockers, and which, which is one reason they got a losing record. And Damian Pierce, after that, had nine carries for 18 yards, averaging two at Garrett. Last three Yuck. quarters, he had 18 yards, and I don't blame it on him. I blame it that the Browns obviously had some kind of change in the strategy, and Pep Hamilton couldn't adjust to make things different. So hopefully going up against the Cowboys' defense, um, they won't be able to crush the offensive line before Pierce ever gets started. But if the Texans are going to be competitive, and, you know, against the Browns, they were competitive early in the fourth quarter, but if they're going to be competitive against the Cowboys, say, in the first half, they're going to have to get Damian Pierce some yardage and see if they could get him open out in the flat and let him run in space. They threw him two passes last week, but the the, the route concepts here are not very creative, sophisticated, because this offense is just an abomination. Yeah, it's bad, no doubt. Um, all right, John, my last one, Texan special teams. They had their worst week of the season last week against the Cleveland Browns. Um, they did, uh, Desmond King had a fumble late in the game. Obviously, they gave up the 76-yard punt return uh, for the touchdown that put the Browns ahead to stay during the first half, made the score 7-5, to five, which always looks hilarious when there's a 5 on the scoreboard. Um, but they've been the best part of this Texans team all year, Frank Ross's special teams. Last week, what did you give them for a grade, John, in your report card this week? I, th- I think it was like a C- minus because yeah. they did some good things. But you know that punt return by Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's the AFC uh, Special Teams Player of the Week. So many guys got their hand on him. Yeah. And they just missed the tackles, and yeah. that is something the defense have been doing, but not special teams. Yep. So I'm I'm looking for special teams. Frank Ross is a guy. I'd like to see the special teams keep – performing well because i would be very interested after this season is over if whoever comes in to replace lovey smith 
if he if they keep Frank Ross around, you know, if they keep he he's done a good job since he's gotten here. Usually, you'll let a coach decide on. You don't want them bringing in all their close friends; they'll get you fired. Yeah. But if a guy's done well, they'll Nick Sarrell say, "Look, here's what we think about this guy. Here's how he performed. Keep this in mind when you interview him." And then I'm guessing Frank Ross will be retained unless the new coach has a great friend who coaches special teams. Mm. Oh, so bringing in a bunch of your buddies from Penn State and from when you were playing at Brown is a bad strategy for putting a staff together, John? Is that what you're saying? It's so funny to me because Bill O'Brien told me after the first year when he fired several guys, he said, I've always been told that your worst staff is your first one because coaches – have made so many promises to other friends in the business saying, if I get a job first, I'll hire you. And the other one says, if I get one, I'll hire you. And then you can't hire everybody you promised, but you hire them. And after a season, if you haven't figured out the ones who can't coach and get rid of them, you're doomed for a short stay as a head coach. But yes, that is what Bill did. And I, I never thought, I thought Tim Kelly did a great job with Deshaun Watson and looking back, I'm wondering. It looks to me like Pep Hamilton is a quarterback coach. He's not. He's obviously not a coordinator and a play caller. And uh, if if uh, I'd be interested to see Mike Vrabel, if, if uh, his offensive coordinator Todd Todd Downing were to leave, if he would promote Kelly to the coordinator since he worked with him here for four hmm. years. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, offense would certainly look a lot different in a Derrick Henry centric offense than the one that was Deshaun Watson centric when Kelly was here for sure. Now they're going to have to get a, they're going to have to get a quarterback up there because last two games, Henry hadn't done anything because the defense is just dare Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball and they haven't been able to do it. And uh, so he, he and his 39 million cap figure um, and the cap's supposed to go way up next yeah. year, by the way, that they'll be out and they'll get it. They'll need a quarterback, but they're not going to draft high enough to get a top guy. So they'd have to trade up, or they'd have to go after a veteran like Jimmy Garoppolo. So is Malik Willis? Is are they done with him, John? Is that the deal? Like they, they did? No, he's a they no. On him. No, they can't. No, no, nobody's making a judgment on him now because yeah. he's a rookie third round pick who had one year of college at a small school. Yeah. But I don't know anybody up there that could say yes or no at this point. And I don't think they're going to be ready to make him the starter in his second season. Prediction on the game this weekend, John. I'm going to say the Cowboys. Last week, I missed you at one point. I said 27. You were close, Tony. You were so 14. close. So this one, I'm going to see. Let's see. Cowboys defense will score three touchdowns. Let's <laughs> see, 21. I'm going to say Cowboys 42 and the Texans uh, 10. Okay. Wow. 42 to 10. That's your most lopsided prediction of the year. I think, Yes, so it far. is. You know, the Texans haven't been blown out yet. Well, you know, the most lopsided was, uh, I think the Chargers, 18 points. Wasn't that it? was, uh, well, they, that was the Raiders you're thinking of. The, the Raiders. Oh, was the it? Raiders. Was that yeah. 38 to 20? 38 to 20. The Chargers was 34, 24. Yeah. 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 That's it. I'm thinking about the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. They, okay. That's interesting. You put it that way. Cause they've been, they have been just in terms of watching on the field blown out of several games recently. But if you're what you're saying, and I know what you're saying, you're saying that when the final score pops up, if people didn't watch the game, but they're just looking around at the scoreboard on their app or whatever, they go, Oh, well, the Texans all, 
30 to 15. They actually kept it pretty close with they the They gave the Titans there. all they could take, losing yeah. about seven points. There. That's and, and whatever. You know, if people are doing that who didn't watch the game, I don't blame them at all. Right. The final score is all they have. It's when the head coach a week later is still bringing up the second half of the Miami game as some sort of uh, hallmark, some sort of uh, prize to put on the shelf that they outscored the Dolphins 15-0. Lovey Smith brought that up after the Browns game. That the, he brought up the second half of the Dolphins. Now I'm getting mad. All right, okay. I think that Lovey uh, Lovey probably knows he's gone. He probably knows the staff's gone, and he knows that he made a mistake with Pep Hamilton. It's not going to get better. And he's trying to be loyal, and uh, but he knows it's everybody's going to get dumped. I wrote a column for Gallery Sports uh, about why Casario needs to be back where the team was. He ain't been on the job two years and where the team was when he got it, what he had to do, and now what he's trying to do, and let him hire the coach and then let him draft the quarterback, and what happens will determine how long he's with the franchise. But I think we all know Lovey's gone, and and that thing of referring to any little slither of positivity like a like a touchdown against the Browns was embarrassing. It's so stupid. It's so stupid.